What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You'll listen to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Today's episode, I want to play you my chat from the Locker Room app with Jamie Hudson. That's what we'll do in the second and third segments to close the show. It is a it is live radio on your phone. It is an it is an audio app for sports fans. You can join me there each week on Wednesdays or Thursdays, depending on the Blazers game schedule at about at about 6 p.m. West Coast time. It's just like this podcast in a live format. It allows fans to join in in the chat or join in uh, with the, having their voices actually featured right here in this podcast. So I hope in the future, if you are able to join me in the Locker Room app, that you will. It's now available both on all iOS devices and in beta for those of you who are using an Android device. So like, like I said, hope to see you on a Locker Room chat in the future. But before we get there, I want to share with you um, a stat that I teased in last night's episode. Yesterday's episode is probably a better way to say it. I recorded it at night, but it, uh, you could listen to it any time of day. Uh, I said that, you know, Carmelo Anthony, who played really, really well against uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies, was just a, a classically good Carmelo Anthony game. I don't know. Is classically good the right word? It was a normally good Carmelo Anthony game for sort of the stage he's at in his career. This was Carmelo Anthony at his near his best. He was 7 of 11 from the field. He had four threes, finished with 18 points. Uh, the Blazers outscored. I mean, they they smoked the Grizzlies, so plus minus is meaningless. But he had the highest plus minus on the team at plus 27. Uh, not particularly useful, but certainly in the box score. And I teased in that, uh, in that very... Uh, episode yesterday that I recorded that the Blazers usually just like when Melo is good, they're good. Um, and what I didn't share with you is the stats to back that up. So I want to bring to you now the sort of when Melo is good, the Blazers are good. This is, this is, I don't mean this to be predictive, but I mean, I'm, I just mean it to be, it is what it is. These are, these are true numbers. On the year when Carmelo Anthony scores, he's averaging 13.6 points per game. And on the year when he scores between 13 and 17 points, like just kind of a normal day at the office. The Blazers are eight and seven. That's who they are. They're they're you know they when Carmelo has a normal day, they're a, they're a team that wins slightly more than they lose, which kind of reflects out in in their actual record, right? There, that's that's kind of who they are. A team that wins a little bit more than they lose. But when Carmelo has a bad game, when he scores 12 or fewer points, when he does not have a good offensive game, the Blazers don't win. They're 13 and 16. They lose more than they win. I, I mean, they've you know, that's some wins, right? Chalk it up to some wins. But like they they are not as good. They are a they are a team that is below 500 when Carmelo doesn't score more than 12 points. And quite frankly, um, a lot of those games are without CJ and without Nurk. And so the lack of offense from Carmelo was more glaring during that stretch. But on nights like Wednesday. When he scored 18 against the Memphis Grizzlies, the Blazers are generally pretty good. They are 13 and 5 on the year when Melo has 18 plus. I don't mean this to be indicative. I don't mean to suggest that, or, or like predictive, I guess. I don't like to suggest that sort of the this is the the Blazers' key to success. But most of their good wins on the year, both wins against Philly, their win at Golden State, the win at Miami. Uh, a winner that close win earlier this year against Toronto, like those those games, Carmelo has scored eighteen plus. He's scored in the twenties in in uh, 
in most of those, he had 18 at Golden State, 18 at Memphis. Like he's, he has, these are above average scoring nights and the Blazers are good. Uh, it's not as simple as get, get Mello some points. The larger, the larger sort of picture is that Mello's best role is at the, is as this complementary offensive force. And when he does that, he is, he truly is valuable to this team. Like his value as a scorer is obvious and clear. And when he doesn't do that, he doesn't do much else. And the Blazers typically struggle. They're just kind of a, like on the year in, in games that he scores fewer than 18 points, they're 21 and 23. That is not to suggest that Melo needs like a bigger share of the offense or more shots or anything like that. It's just to suggest this. Melo has a specific role. It's the reason why he's played over uh, and given opportunities over younger guys. Quite frankly, Nazir Little and Derek Jones Jr. couldn't score 18 points in the NBA with any consistency. They're not good enough to do that. Uh, They bring other gifts. They bring other things that that Melo can't do. They bring um, a defensive acumen that maybe he can't bring and a level of athleticism that he certainly doesn't have at this stage in his career. But he can score. And the Blazers, many times, they need that tertiary or that or beyond, you know, a fourth, fifth scorer to bring some juice. And when Melo has brought the juice and when he's been good, the Blazers are 13 and five when he scores 18 plus. It's as simple as that. When Melo was on the court and he plays well and he has a good offensive game, the Blazers typically win. You saw it against Memphis. He makes, he changes what they can be and because he provides this specific thing. And when he doesn't provide that specific thing, they're not nearly as good. When, when Melo is good, the Blazers are too. That's all those numbers mean. I felt bad that I kind of teased that and just like said it blindly uh, without giving you the numbers that I had looked up to back it up, but I've got them for you now. There you go. 13 and five when Melo scores 18 plus. All right, in the second segment, I want to play for you my chat with Jamie Hudson, my friend and colleague at NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, We do this each week, uh, depending on our schedules. We do this most weeks is an accurate thing to say on the Locker Room app available on iOS devices and in beta on Android devices. So make sure you download that app and join me next week uh, when I'm likely to do it Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. But that's what I'm going to play for you in the second segment. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. It's just the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. That's what it is. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Plus, this week has tons of sports action on the go, as the NFL draft is happening literally right now and continuing on. Uh, plus, the Kentucky Derby is back with the first leg of the Triple Crown, which begins this weekend. And you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sports betting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA action, all of it you could possibly want. So before the next pitch... Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff runs. So head on over to their website, betonline.ag, and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we talked about Carmelo Anthony. When he's good, when he has big scoring nights, the Blazers win. They need him to score. When he doesn't score, they don't win because that's what he brings to the table. He's got to bring it to the table for them to reach their ceiling. Now what I want to do is play for you my chat with Jamie Hudson, my friend and colleague from NBC Sports Northwest, who joined me on the Locker Room app like we do most weeks 
And we talked about the Blazers' playoff outlook, Dame's health, uh, all those things. We even answered some listener questions towards the end of the chat. So that's going to play for you now. More of my chat with Jamie Hudson from the Locker Room app. What's up, everybody? Hi, Jamie. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, thanks for joining me on relatively short notice. You were like, hey, are we still going to do this? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. We're definitely doing it. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, the Blazers, I'll just say on Sunday evening, I was like, yep, this bad boy is a wrap. <laughs> it's over. Um, you know, they can, you know, they got games left in the season and all that. And there was always still hope of their games left in the season, but they just, they, they lost a bunch of close games and then they played really poorly against the Memphis Grizzlies for the first three quarters on Sunday. And then all of a sudden here they are, they smoke the Pacers. They come back, they get their best win of the season for my money on Wednesday night. What are you liking from the old pinwheels after their, their red hot two game winning streak? Uh, well, first off, yes, Mike, how crazy is it that they could flip that switch so quickly, but not quickly, you know, and what I mean by that is that losing streak and losing those close ones. Okay, like I understand losing the close right, those are luck, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like the last second to some extent. (laughs) Right, exactly. But then you had that game against Memphis and Dylan Brooks, he looked like the biggest um stopper ever like he was not letting dame do anything uh yeah for that game and that in that moment i thought okay i understand dylan brooks good defender but dame just didn't look like dame and i thought oh hell this is gonna be a rough last at that point like 13 games but okay now things are turned around you know what i'm finally gonna answer your question i Last night, especially in the first half, we actually saw some transition defense, Mike. We yeah, attention to detail with the scouting report, getting back and knowing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> that is amazing, right? It's something we haven't yeah. seen. Um, is, yeah, exactly. Knowing what the team likes to do and then trying to at least sort of stop it. So that was that was good to see. Um, not to mention Dame look like Dame again. And yep. when you have Dame, CJ, and Norman Powell going off like that, you, that's that's what you need for this team. Yeah, I mean, that's the formula, right? And Nurk looked right. really good for – he's looked really good for a handful of games now. Like, this is – we got sort of a glimpse last night. I, I think you're right. Like, that's – this is what they need. Like, this is – you just yep. saw it. Um, I also think it's kind of proof that – um, coaching only goes so far. Uh, and and what I mean by that is basically like, you know, it's not like Terry Stotts hasn't been telling them to to do things on defense and hasn't been giving them a scouting report and all those things. Like, you, you know, the scouting report is probably relatively similar for the other two games against Memphis, particularly the second game against Memphis. It's just in game three, they seem to be really attentive to it. Um, I've said this a million times, like, players play and i i um you know i think the the coaching thing is another deal sort of separate from this but like the biggest thing that you do as an as like as with an nfl team or with an nba team so i got nfl draft on the brain with an nba team is is have your players play hard and play smart like that's that's that is and that is something that that is on the players and i think dame talks about a little bit like 
that is it is their responsibility to do that mm-hmm. and play together right. I, I feel like they hadn't been doing that really um and you know it's funny because as a media of course mike we were trying to figure out okay was there a meeting? Was there some kind of event that led to this change in effort and energy? And of course, players aren't really willing to share if there was a specific talk. Um, yeah. I think Carmelo Anthony said, yeah, I mean, we communicate. and we, we basically said the time is now. There is that sense of urgency. Um, but you got to imagine that there was like a pretty good meeting between. I, I was going to ask, do you get the sense that they, um, that there was like a sit down or do you think this was a, you know, sort of hug it out in the group text message? What's your, what's your read on that? Yeah, I think it was because they're on the road too, that they, right, 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 right. They good had point. this time. And, and I mean, you know, it's obviously different with COVID and they're not really doing as much. Uh, they can't really do the team dinners as much, but I think it was, like close to a sit down. It wasn't just a group. Yeah, they're allowed to do a, a, like, I mean, a handful of them are fully vaccinated. So I think they're allowed to do more. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know all the rules to be quite frank with oh, you. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're allowed to, they might be able to get together in the evening time in a hotel room or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I know it's been, it's been changing. But um, I think as CJ McCollum said it last night, Mike, that a lot of these guys on this team they do well when they're they're up against it, right? And so I think they finally realized you're looking at the playoff positioning um, and that they just knew, like, if you don't try and turn it around now, well. There, yeah, then it's done. done. You, men- you mentioned this. You mentioned this in your opening remarks, like, so long and so fast. Is there part of you that wonders, like, where the hell has this been? Yes. I think, right? And I feel like that's probably what everyone's feeling in Rip City. Harvey, we got what, Dr. Here? I mean, I think you guys were probably all thinking, why didn't we see this earlier? Yeah. Um, And the effort in these last two games from Dame and CJ on the defensive end has really, I mean, CJ McCollum is showing up like he did against the Nuggets, you know, that defense. Yes. You're seeing locked in defense. I thought Dame, I mean, I guess I know it's like the Pacers, but I thought he was noticeably more attentive against Malcolm Brogdon in that, in that Pacers game. And he kind of said afterwards, like, I'm going to take the responsibility. And you know me, I was kind of like, well, that is, that's, that's nice. (laughs) That's a nice, (laughs) that's a nice thing to say, but like, let's go ahead and see it. And then it wasn't just an individual effort. It was like, like a whole team effort playing together, playing smart to, uh, to uh, pull out, you know, to play really, really well, legitimately very well against the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, I know. And so now, will it continue, Mike? Right, right. What are you, like, part of me, the, the sort of the pessimist in me, um, as you know, um, it's, that's not even the pessimist in me, that's just me. The me, the, the person that I am, uh, thinks like this is they put themselves in a position where they're going to really have to scramble these last handful of games. And I worry that there is a mental and physical toll that the scramble will take because Brooklyn on Friday, um, really, really tough. Then Boston, Atlanta, depending on who's healthy for both those teams, could be really, really tough. And then you have a quote-unquote easy game uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers, but that's game six of a six game road trip. Like that's not a, that's not a physically easy game to play. Right. So 
part of me worries that like they're here and they they've kind of figured out like what level of intensity they need to play at but you know is there what is the what what is the price you pay for it but i guess and i'll ask your opinion on this it's it to me i guess it's worth it if you finish sixth if you finish out of the play in round and you get four days like i think that might be worth i mean it's always worth it you want to win games or whatever but you know what i'm saying like the the mental toll it would take if you finish sixth. do you think um like if they end up fifth or sixth, I don't think they're going to end up fifth. I guess conceivably they could, depending on what happens with the Lakers and they play the Lakers again this season. But like if they finish sixth, does this, you know, is this sort of, what are your thoughts if they finish sixth? Like what are your, what are your hopes for them moving forward? I think they, I'm with you. They, they need to finish sixth because of how much of a toll it's going to take to, to secure that spot and then right. have those extra days. But also- four whole days, Jamie. That's four whole days. And that is, in in NBA time, that is a long rest. Yeah, that's like a good two weeks at least. Like, yeah, you know? for normal people, for us, it's spring <laughs> yeah. break. Exactly. Um, and then just not having that, that pressure of the play-in games, man. Yeah. I, whoever is in those games, damn. That, you work so hard and then you could be out like that. that yeah. Could- or you have to pour it all into a single elimination yeah. game. Congratulations. You kind of empty the clip, you know, you're going to play a ton of minutes and then you've got a team waiting for you in game one, just to kind of j- probably just wallop you in game one. Like, and then you end up behind, you know, I mean, you end up behind it. Um, yeah. I'm with you. I think that's, that's really tough. And if you finish, you know, if you finish seven or eight and you win the first game and you move into, and you finish seventh, like that's fine. But if you're, in that nine ten range, or you lose the seven eight game, and you're playing two of these high level elimination games, I'm not really worried about the physical toll. Like these dudes are in good shape, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Dame's a little banged up, but yeah. in general, like they're in they're you know, I'm not worried about the physical toll. It's just how much mental focus. Like that is just that is a long, long t- that is a long time to be playing with that type of mental strain in terms of how much focus it's going to require. Exactly. And you know, what I really thought was interesting is after last night's game, both CJ and Mello talked about how different this season has been with all of their daily COVID tests. Yeah. And I understand at first when you hear that, you think, okay, well, yeah, that probably sucks. But it does because after a game night, they will have a 7 a.m. testing. Yeah, like I mean, you, you have to get up and be somewhere for like an early morning test mm-hmm. and then you can't take your like normal long nap because you have to take another pregame test. Yeah, it is insane how their routine is so different this year. And like you said, I mean, those naps, Mike, I know those are key. They're sacred, sacred nap time in the NBA for sure. Like I don't think we can, I'm not really like a scientist i'm mostly a podcaster jamie and I, I got another day job too but neither of them are in the science world um yeah i don't think we maybe i don't think we fully grasp how important that is but i'm with like those are those i just know from talking to guys and you do too like those are those are sacred times to sort of get get your mind and body right they really are and so to have that all screwed up this season and then i know that uh, it sounds like in the last couple of weeks there were some issues with tests and that's stressful in itself Sure. Thinking, okay, am I not going to be able to play in this next game? You know, that's so there's a lot of things behind the scenes that are going on. And 
now that we as media members don't get to travel or we're not traveling, I guess, that means maybe you can, but most companies are not sending people. We don't really know exactly what's been going on on the road, too. Yeah, exactly. Definitely definitely hard to judge what's been going on. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a truly strange season. I I hope we don't have to do this again, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly strange. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple a couple guys. Um, Amphrey Simons made a kajillion three pointers. He's probably going to do that every single night. Book it nine threes every single night. Um, No, but like he looks to me, he looks not you know outside of that game. He just looks like he's kind of got a little more comfort. Do you do you agree? I do, and I think. He's even got a little more juice on the defensive end. Like, well, he he, he I, better at this point. <laughs> I know he needs. He's been needing to. Um, but we've talked about how okay, Anthony's he's gonna give you those buckets. He's gonna give you those threes. Um, but now I really, I, he's just trying to be more of a complete player. And yeah. like you mentioned, the confidence, like it's it's coming along. Yeah, I mean that's for him. Obviously, he's like physically gifted, right? And they and they, I think they kind of put him into a role a little bit too big for him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not his. He he can't control that. He can't control those decisions. But he wasn't ready for it, and I think it kind of sapped a little bit of his confidence. And he looks back there now. Like I thought it was pretty yeah. funny after early in that game, uh, he he told I believe it was Brooke in the post game interview, Brooke Olsen Dam of of Trailblazers Incorporated. Um, mm-hmm. That like CJ was like about damn time after he hit like five threes, you know, and it's like the team has the team knows he's maybe not capable of that, obviously, but like they know he can contribute at a high level and they want to see him have these blow up games, you know, have these games where he's really, really good in the moment kind of thing. Exactly. Because we've been hearing for the last couple of years at practice just how much uh, Anthony does in practice and and how athletic he is and the crazy dunks and everything else. Um, So I think we're finally going to start seeing that. All right, let's take a quick break and come back in the third segment. I'll play you more of my conversation with Jamie as we touch on a handful more Blazers-related topics, including Rondé Hollis Jefferson and his role on the team. But before we get there, let's talk about Built Bar. It's the best-tasting protein bar on the market. That's what they're doing. They're making delicious protein bars. Each of their flavors are covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew and bring you that candy bar-like texture. None of that chalky, gross, dry protein bars that you may be familiar with in your other forays into this world. That's not what Bill Bar's doing. They're making the best-tasting protein bar ever. It says it right here in the ad copy, but it also says it right here in my heart. This is the best-tasting protein bar ever. I've, I have dabbled in this world. I have tried many. Bill Bar is the best. Uh, I, I would tell you that anyways because I'm, I'm good at reading the ad copy, but I'm also just telling you because I'm, I want to be honest with you. Bill Bar's rock. They're low, they're low sugar, low calorie, high protein, high fiber. Go get yourself some. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com and that'll get you 15% off your next order. One more time, that is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked on Lasers. Make sure you're getting all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast, where host Peter Bukowski takes you through the biggest stories in all of the major professional sports with the help of our local experts. So follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you already get podcasts. 
All right. To close out the show, I want to play you the rest of my conversation with Jamie Hudson from Locker Room. Once again, it's it's a mobile app that's just live radio. It's basically a live version of this podcast. It's a ton of fun. Join us next week, Thursday at about 6 p.m. Pacific time. We'll hop on there. I'll remind you next week if you're listening. But download the app. Join us there so you can get in on the action like some, uh, some listeners you will hear later in this episode did exactly that. So here's the rest of my conversation with Jamie. The other guy I want to ask you about is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Uh, he finished up two 10 days and the Trailblazers chose to sign him for the remainder of the regular season. What have you seen from Rondé, good, bad, and whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it wasn't a surprise. I know we were expecting him to, to sign. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a dude that, that brings the energy for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I've I've liked what I've seen, I mean, sometimes he, he's definitely like, he can help out if Ennis needs help or, you know, so he's a great defender and a veteran guy, but I mean, Mike, he, he wasn't in the, he wasn't playing a game this season. Right. Yeah. So there's a reason for that. And uh, it, yeah. I mean, he's basically a zero on offense. Like yeah. <laughs> he really can't score. Um, which changes the calculation a little bit, but I, I like him. I like them using him as a backup five. Like I like him in that small ball five role. Um, they, they never gave, they never gave Derek Jones Jr. A chance to not do that, to like fail at that. So I think that's kind of a bummer. And I think there's some, some frustration from fans in like not letting Derek fail, um, quite frankly. Uh, but like, but I think, Rondé is just like stronger and, and more capable. Like he played back up five a bunch last year in Toronto. He's done it in a way that Derek Jones Jr. doesn't. So I think he's kind of leapfrogged him like specifically because of that sort of strength up front. Um, and I, I, I kind of think Stotts has settled into Rondé Hollis Jefferson being part of the everyday rotation. Um, you know, maybe not big, you know, 20 minutes every night, but like two seven minute shifts, two six, seven minute shifts every night. It looks like Rondé is going to settle into that role. Yeah, it does. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll, I do like what he can bring uh, on the defensive end. So, and like you're said, worried about his offense, Jamie, aren't you? I am. I am. But it, I mean, with this team, you don't really need to think about well, that. Well, what, what worries you specifically? Like, is it is it the shooting? Is it like what is it? Yeah, it's the shooting, and I mean, I guess he, he does cut. Like, he does move more. Like, he's a pretty good. Um, guy that that'll move around and he's not just gonna just stand there but like i like derrick jones jr cutting base like working the baseline yeah just, he doesn't read I the baseline in this at the same level for sure yeah so yeah i guess he's a little better passer so you can use him in that way but they don't like they haven't yeah. like that's only theoretical <laughs> that's the, that is the idea is that he could be a better passer i kind of think it's um when he's the small ball five why i like using him is because he can be the screener and i think if you put him in the screen action his lack of shooting um and quite frankly finishing dude doesn't even make doesn't make layups particularly well either but like mm-hmm. i think some of his offensive struggles are mitigated a little bit by putting him as the screener because and when he's the screener he can roll to the rim and like you said he's a good cutter like he moves well in space and kind of understands space pretty well so yeah. 
So like putting him there and then allowing him to make decisions as a passer. Now they haven't done that much when he's played five, they just spread it out and go and go. Like they kind of just, they kind of just, you know, um, leverage the idea of him as an athlete to open up the, the floor. But, um, I, that to me, that's his best spot in terms of how you fit him on offense. Cause I'm with you. I'm, I also am, um, I don't know if concerned is the right word. I just don't think he's a very good offensive player. And, um, you know, that if someone's not good at something, the job is to sort of figure out how it works to um, reduce their struggles. Yes, exactly. And so we still, they still have time to, to figure that out. Um, one, one more, a couple more for you before we, before we, we wrap this bad boy up. Oh, Dr. Disrespect sends a, uh, <laughs> A give of of TJ Leaf into the chat, um, Doctor Disrespect. I I can't imagine TJ Leaf is much of a factor, but I'm I'm glad we got to see him. And it was weird that he made his Blazers debut in Indiana, the team that drafted him in the in the you know middle of the first round. <laughs> I know. I was like TJ Leaf revenge game. I know. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Anthony Simons had sucked up a lot of that revenge by the time it got to TJ. Um, Jamie, do you think Dame's healthy? Like, what, what, what do you think changed between Sunday night, where he just looked like he couldn't get past anybody, versus you know uh, Wednesday when he looks like the letter O? Do you like what do you make of that? Yeah, I think. He's definitely been battling a lot of different nagging injuries, and I know that we've talked about it. The media, the media, we've we've asked him about it, uh, whether it's his banged up knees, quad. I know he's playing on a sore ankle uh, mm-hmm. in that Memphis, the last Memphis game at home. Uh, even though he's the one that didn't talk about it, Coach Stotts mentioned it. But uh, uh oh, Terry. I know. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. It's something he doesn't really do. It's it's kind he of. Does, a... but- it's pretty rare. Yeah. Notable, a notable, uh, a notable point you just made there. I think, I think that is not a typical Terry activity. Right. I know. I, I was surprised you had mentioned that. Um, but I also think, I do think there, there was something going on, whether it's like the COVID tests or it just, something's been a struggle for this team. Right. Um, just mentally, I feel like. They were just kind of checking out a little bit, or I don't know. I hate. They that were letting stuff. go of the rope, like they were have. They were fi- they were meeting some adversity in games. You know, having right. having those nights where it was like, "Hey, uh, we, you know, we're, this team's beating us up," and they were just saying, "Okay, we, you know, we fold. We, this is it. It's done." Um, and I agree. Like, what is that? You know, it's hard for us, especially when you're not around the team and you can't have just like little off the cuff conversations. It's hard to uh, it's hard via Zoom to kind of get the whole grasp. It's hard to it's hard to hear the whispers when you're on your when you're on your laptop on the couch. Exactly. Or on your laptop in the lower bowl like you are. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I know that is hard. And then the other thing I was thinking about is this this season, obviously, with all the injuries, the rotation had to change. But the rotation has has changed even when guys are healthy, and like, right. that's that hasn't really been the norm under Coach Stotts. Sure, like, but I also think they haven't been this like 
absolutely awful on one end. And I think one of the right. things that they bang on Terry for, they being like uh, those who criticize him, who choose to criticize them, which is which is your right. Uh, but like is is that he's is that he isn't, um, you know, is that he doesn't make adjustments. And I think, quite frankly, he has shown his willingness more this season, um, yeah. perhaps out of desperation to do some to make some adjustments, to do some to try some different things. I think um, I, I think you know, whether they've worked or not is, is, a, is another thing, but like he's, we have seen different stuff. Like um, obviously he doesn't, he just doesn't see it with Derek Jones and he's been trying to figure out different guys to fill in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying to, and he's also trying some more creative things to avoid like the Cantor mellow pairing and stuff like that. Like he's, he's given, he's given it, but different looks, but also like, you're right. Like their NBA guys love stability and dependability and giving them all those different things is, I think can be a little bit challenging. Mm-hmm. I don't know sure. if it's challenging for dames for the Damian Lillard of the world. Mm-hmm. He knows what, um, he knows what's going to happen, but I think the yeah. the parts around him for sure. And the parts around him obviously impact him to some extent. Right. And now that uh, Nurk's getting back into form and he didn't miss one of the back to backs, that was right. huge. So you know he's he's getting back to being able to to play at, at full strength, which is what they're going to need. Obviously, I think this is as good as Nurk has been in maybe two years. Um, he was really, really, really good in the bubble, but I don't. I think he's been better defensively over the last week than he was in the bubble. There was some moments, some flashes in the bubble where he had it, but I think consistently, like I thought, he played great against uh, Nikola Jokic. I mean, Jokic is just an MVP, and two times down the stretch, he drew fouls on him. But I, I, I think Nurk has been fantastic over the last five games uh this is this is probably the level that we think he can play at when we talk about like nurk is the key Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is kind of the level we think nurk can play at are you what's your confidence level in nurk sustaining this uh i I think it's it's pretty high because of how they were approaching it right mike i feel like you know holding him out for one of the back-to-backs in this last month and then um just gradually increasing his minutes i just think that they they're really making sure that this big fella is going to stay on the floor you know yeah and he i mean he's he's the key right like he's yeah. he's the guy i mean as much as it's i mean i feel like it's dame's health and nurk's consistency yeah. and those are for me those are the two biggest questions yes and nurk staying staying locked in you know yeah, I, I, that the mental stuff is so tricky with him, right? Because you can, I thought there was a moment in that Memphis game, you know, when he dribbled off the court and got the ball taken from him and CJ started yelling at him. That was like, yeah, man, like you were so locked in until that moment. Like they need you to stay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I thought that like, I think that was sort of like the real encapsulation of what you just said, where it's like, no, for real, we need you to stay locked in like the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, what are you looking forward to or what do you need to see or what do you expect to see as the Blazers close out this road trip? They've got Brooklyn, Boston, Atlanta, Cleveland before they come home. Yeah, uh, what I need to see is that that effort and energy, obviously, on the defensive end. Um, yeah. I think, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, I keep circling that last game, that Cleveland game, because... <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, that should be a a win. But I just think with two back-to-backs on this trip, right? Um, they're cramming in a lot of games right now. So that that one for me is like, 
oh, that's going to show just how I feel like how much of a a task this road trip was. Sure. That'll like show you what where they're at right then. Um, but because then they have to come home and play the Lakers, right? So yeah, they, they come home and play another back to back, and they get a brutal next week. It's yeah. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That's five and seven. That's too many. That's too many yeah, basketball games. So I, I'm with you. Like you got to just the, the, Cleveland is a bad team. You have to beat the bad team. Like there is, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other calculations, you know, can they beat good teams, blah, 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 blah. But like, there is nothing, there is no math that says, well, if they lose to the Rockets and the Cavs, then this is the situation. Like you can't, that is a, I don't know if it's a must win, but it's, it's a can't lose. Yeah, for sure. Um, But also just, I want to see, um, Norman Powell continuing to, yep. like he, he did last night contributing and and Robert Covington I mean I think Terry mentioned it last night is that when they were having that good stretch there it's because Covington was shooting over 44 percent or something from three yeah if there was a stretch he shot about 50 oh just above 50 percent from three for three weeks I mean that's that's <laughs> yeah. pretty good Pro- obviously unsustainable but they they I agree right. they need him to get back to you know, something in the middle there. Right. Exactly. Um, but what are you looking for as you, as this trip continues? You, you know, I, I think the, I think the Brooklyn game will be really interesting because that's not an elite defensive team. Um, they can put some okay defensive lineups on the floor, but mostly they put bad ones. Mostly they play bad defensive teams on the, put bad defensive groupings on the floor. And just to see uh, the Blazers have to, have to play smart and play together against a high level offense, like a really good offense. It's hard to know who's going to play for Boston and Atlanta. You know, Trey Young's out, uh, Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum's out. So I don't want, I don't even want to look ahead to those games. Cause like, um, you know, life is short and uncertain, Jamie, but like Friday for me, um, you know, we saw them, we saw Memphis got their attention, right? Like Memphis was like, you know, Dylan Brooks, they beat him twice. And then Dylan Brooks talked shit in the media. Like that is, that is, Everybody knew um, that the Blazers were going to come out and, and play hard in that game, right? You didn't know if they were going to play well, but you knew they were going to play. You knew they were going to play hard. Um, and so, for me, I think I think sort of the 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 test is like against a team that maybe doesn't have their attention and maybe doesn't like offer this external juice or whatever. Right. Uh, th- can they play well? Or can they play? It's like, I don't even need them to win to sort of feel like, okay, they're heading the right direction. I just need them to not, you know, you need them to be, like you said, like together and smart. Um, the word I was using yesterday was focused. Like, can we see them sustain some high level focus? We got a, uh, before we get out of here, we got a speaker request. Let's bring Brandon Goldner on stage real quick. Brandon, how you doing? You got a question for the, for the illustrious panel of two? <laughs> yeah i do can you hear me okay sorry it's my first time using the app oh yeah you're you sound crystal clear crystal clear good to know uh well hey i had a question and maybe you already covered this and i apologize i'm getting in late but before the season started i had a hope that this blazers team could possibly be a team that could make a deep playoff run and as the season has gone on i have gotten less and less hope that that could potentially happen and I wanted to ask both of you, is there anything that could happen in the remaining regular season games that would give either of you a sense of whether the Blazers could 
potentially threaten to make like, you know, like a second round conference finals run. And if that may be possible, like what would you have to see in the remaining games to give you any hope of that happening? Jamie, you want to go first? Yeah. Well, first off, hey, Brandon, good to hear from you. Um, Hello. Hi. So at the beginning of the season, I was thinking about how with the with the schedule being the way that it is and was like just cramming so many games in, I thought about how important it would be to be resting Dame like right about now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So now that that is out of the question because they're going to need him to, to win these games, but uh, just that energy and that, uh, that effort that we saw against Memphis. But I really do think a lot of it's going to be about, how banged up this team is when heading into the playoffs, how healthy they are really. I don't know to, to do that, to get a deep run, to do a deep run. I mean, yeah. Well, Jamie, we are simpatico. We yeah. usually, I thought you were going to be much, you know what? I get, I'm, I've, I've hemmed you in. I've, I've decided that you're the positive one, but here you are bringing a hyper realistic take on this is that health is the most important thing. I'm with you. If Dame isn't healthy, if Dame isn't healthy, if he can't get healthy, it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. It's a stars league. Um, You know, he's played really well the last couple nights, but they need him to be, at that level physically. And, and honestly, there's a mental toll with all this that we talked about earlier, but like physically there, because if he is, you know, if he's 85% of Damian Lillard, it doesn't matter. It's over. Like they're not beating the West is brutal. There are no bad teams there. Um, the, the only bad team is going to be whoever finishes eighth or whatever. And that might be freaking Steph Curry. Um, so it's like, to me, there's, you know, to me, the, the, NBA season is a meritocracy. Like you prove it in the regular season. Um, Some teams are good enough to not prove it. See the Lakers of Los Angeles. I still think they might win the damn title and they haven't looked good for months, but they look awesome when they were healthy earlier this year. But um, like it's, they, they just, they're just not good enough on defense. And I don't think they have enough depth and enough size to match up against the really, really good teams. And if they do, it's because old letter O has to be fantastic. And so it's really like Jamie said, if, if Dame is healthy and ready and rested and he's not going to get a chance to be rested. So healthy and ready, it's, that's their hope. Um, there's nothing they could show me. I mean, maybe they could rip off three wins this weekend. And I'll, like I said, on the podcast earlier this week, eat my shoe. Um, luckily it's an audio medium, but like I, there's, I, I can't, I feel like I know, I feel like I know what this group is at this point. Mm-hmm. We could still probably hear you eating. Oh, I, listen, it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be gross audio. Man, I'll I'll take like a still frame. You know, there was that guy who said that if the Blazers without um, oh yeah without Dame <laughs> and everybody, he would eat his shoe, and he took like one little bite of his shoe. I thought that was a real. I thought that was kind of weak. I would go That's harder. Kind of a cop out. I would go harder than that. If the Blazers rip off three wins this weekend, I will go harder than the dude who took like one taste of his shoe. Oh man, that's a promise. That's what you get from this this uh, this audio medium is a promise to go harder than the guy who sort of ate his shoe. That's a solid promise. Uh, thank you both. <laughs> yeah, thanks for hopping on with us, Brandon. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. Uh, Jamie, I know that you're getting calls from your family, so I'll let you get out of here. Uh, everyone, make sure you are following Jamie on Twitter 
at Jamie Hudson NBCS and follow all of her work on NBCSports.com slash Northwest. Thanks so much to all of you for listening and joining in. Thanks to Brandon for hopping on and asking the question. And Jamie, thank you as always for doing this. Let's do it again next week. Okay, that sounds good. Thanks, guys. Listeners, tell your friends about this podcast. They can get wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Monday's show. We're going to talk about the game against the Brooklyn Nets, the Blazers' big games this weekend. We're going to do Western Conference playoff tiers. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you join us for that one. Then on Monday evening, I'll record our mailbag episode. So if you want to get in on the mailbag, uh, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter, or send me an email, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com, so you can get in our weekly mailbag show that posts on Tuesdays. Big weekend ahead, big week ahead for the Blazers. Big gay, big old crunch time run. Should be a lot of fun. So make sure you're tuned in and make sure you're telling your pals to tune in too. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>